Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. It's Ahmad and Audrey with you on today's morning shot. Primary six students who sat for the primary school leaving examination or PSLE this year will be receiving their results later today. Audrey, now I have to ask you, you attended primary school here in Singapore. Do you remember oh, what it was like back then? Were you stressed with trying to score well, pressure from the parents, etc.? Imad, you're <laughs> bringing up some not so great memories. Yes, I admittedly didn't do very well. You mm. know, I want to think of myself as a late bloomer. Definitely <laughs> didn't perform within the system. And I truly believe that if I wasn't given the opportunity to move to the U.S., you know, mm. who knows where I'd be today. Mm. Uh, thanks for that, Imad. Well, now I have to ask you back. You dodged PSLE <laughs> since you attended international school. So what was the syllabus like there? Well, it was different, right? We didn't have a streaming system as such, mm. uh, especially at the primary school level. But we did have what was known as GCSE exams for 14 to 16-year-olds. They're subject-based. And then I moved on to the IB system. Uh, so slightly different, but like you, I also wasn't the best at test-taking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, a Singapore school system, you know, at least back in my time, was known to be rigid and unforgiving. But in recent years, through changes in policy, the Singapore government has increased increasingly been pushing for Singaporeans to put more emphasis on skills, performance and contributions to society rather than just paper qualifications. That's right. And for more insights on how we can better embrace learning beyond the paper chase, we're joined by Associate Professor Cindy Deng from the Nanyang Business School at NTU. Professor, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks, Anna and Audrey. You're very welcome. Good to have you on board. Now, first off, Professor, let's get your take. Uh, How deeply ingrained in our society is this paper chase that we've been talking about? You know, back in China, where I originally come from, we've got this actual competitive university entry exam, kind of like the A-level here. Um, I got nightmares about showing up to the exam without parents or forgetting my IDs many years, even after I became a professor. But after I had kids here and found out, wow, the pressure here starts actually way earlier for students and the parents. My kids haven't hit uh, PLSDH, but from chatting with friends and colleagues, I think the culture of paper chase is still very much valued by our society. Yeah, absolutely, Cindy. And I'm recalling all of this now. You know, in Singapore, we have these streaming bands when students go into secondary school, right? So there's express, there's normal academic and normal technical. And that was in place when I was in school here. Uh, And now there are plans to replace this next year with a new concept of subject-based banding. Um, As a former student who didn't excel with the current system, I'm happy to hear this. But what's the sentiment among parents and students? Is there still a lot of competitiveness? Um, I think the whole competitiveness will still be there. It's unlikely to change overnight. In fact, we cannot remove competition completely, right? Competition just exists everywhere in life, not just in schools. I think removing the labels, uh, the surprise, uh, NAs, NTs, uh, is already a big move and will definitely have positive impact on the psychological development and the well-being of the students. Then gradually, I think parents may start to realize, oh, there are many different pathways for our children and not just having to ASPSLE. 
Now, this shift uh, that you talked about would also require maybe a broadened definition of merit as well. Beyond simply looking at results, uh, stats, numbers, how else can we assess whether a student is good at a given subject and if that student should pursue that as a career beyond school? So career beyond school is definitely more than just academic results. Mm. There are good results might open up the university door. I think it's a passion and personality that will truly drive success in the profession. And also sometimes the EQ could be more important than IQ in the workplace. But the grades, as we say, especially in primary and secondary schools, only largely reflect IQ, not so much on EQ. So this makes university study a very important period that um, to equip young talents with the skills to shift seamlessly from student life to professional life. Actually, to achieve that, at the university now, we rely on uh, experiential learning. So take our new Bachelor of Applied Computing and Finance, BACF, for example. The students will dive into real-world challenges, team up with industry mentors, and undertake months of internships. This hands-on approach helps them to align their interests and personality with their chosen field before they hit the job market. And also as a secondary and a junior college level, I think all these actual curriculum activities, competitions, also allow students to explore passions beyond the classroom. All right, Cindy. Well, following what you just said in regards to IQ versus EQ, let's focus on the IQ bit a little bit. Are there still maybe, you know, specific subject areas that still require exams and tests to properly assess um, a student's ability? Absolutely. For example, some subjects like math or science will still need like rely on exams and tests to properly gauge students' ability because such subjects require a solid evaluation of problem-solving skills and a clear grasp of theoretical concepts. Exams efficiently check how students uh, understand formulas, methods, and apply these principles. It's kind of necessary in such areas. All right, let's focus more specifically now on higher education. It's uh, an area that you know quite well. It's a level that you teach at. If we were to implement policy changes here in Singapore as early as primary school, how will that impact students learning further down the road? Uh, And as a subset to that, are you seeing changes when it comes to the interest in diversifying beyond the core major or specialization uh, that students in higher ed are usually tied to? Policy changes in primary school definitely have an impact on students' learning journey in the long run. Um, talking about the interest in diversifying beyond the core majors, for example, I think there's also a need to keep up with the rapidly evolving work landscape and the rising need for interdisciplinary talents. And I think that's why uh, we have been offering interdisciplinary degrees at university recent years. Just now I mentioned this new BACF program. The whole purpose is to meet the recent demand for talent in financial sector who have a blend of programming and tax skills and the financial domain knowledge. Other than degrees, uh, at MTU we also require all students to take a seven interdisciplinary collaborative core modules to ensure that our graduates are future ready. 
All right, Cindy, you also spoke about competition outside the classroom. So we can see through these new policies that there's a conscious shift away from grades. But let's talk about CCAs or co-curricular activities beyond school walls. Could this new policy of not focusing on scores then kind of spur students on to compete in other ways, like taking coding classes or investing time and money in many other classes and activities? Are we opening up a whole new avenue for competition? I think uh, partially true, but after the competitions in sports and CCAs uh, to qualify for DSA has been around for many years. Even before, like, uh, so far we are trying to have this conscious shift away from grace. I think the whole point of this uh, shift away from grace does not suggest that the grades are not important. It just suggests that it's okay even if you don't have good grades, you can still be considered based on your other skills and traits. All right, Cindy, let's go back to developing an interest area from a younger age. Very often nowadays you hear students saying they don't know what careers they want, perhaps swayed by peer pressure or their parents even. What role can parents play in helping students identify specific areas of interest? And and how can students themselves go about trying their hands at different things to find out ultimately what they really like? I think this is really important. Actually, as a parent, myself kind of like struggled, like uh, how to uh, say, uh, give my kids uh, better guidance. But I think it's a journey. And if you talk about to uh, identify the career selection, there's no need to have too much pressure at such early stage. They now we're talking about PSLE. It's too early to have such pressure for ourselves as parents or for our kids. Like we must know the answer right away. I think the career pursuit can start from what a kid is interested in. And parents, of course, are the first persons who will observe. Once we observe, we can just get our kids to pursue their interests. And if the interest expands or sustains, it will be a good guide for career selection. Mm. It's really about embarking on a journey with our kids to explore all these different things, enjoy the journey, and do not put much pressure on ourselves to know the answer early. So by answering this question, actually, I owe a big thanks to my colleague Eileen Chen, um, who is a super wonderful mom and who has raised the two incredibly successful kids. Mm. I'm actually the kind of parent who worry and wanted to prepare my kids as early as possible. But Eileen actually shares the invaluable insights. It's more about the journey and enjoy the journey. Don't put too much on the pressure on ourselves and our children. All yeah. right. Enjoy the journey. Don't put pressure on knowing the answer right away. Words of wisdom from Associate Professor Cindy Deng from the Nanyang Business School at NTU. Cindy, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. All right, stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.